Tonight on Truth Today, we're going to be discussing how Christians should be defending biblical Zionism. That's right, Zionism. Also, we'll be talking about why, again, so many Christians and pastors are so confused about Israel, the Jewish people. All of that and much more right now on Truth Today. Well, good evening and thank you for joining us here on Truth Today. Um, if you're new to our program, my name is Pastor Sharam Hadian with Truth and Love Ministry. If you've been with us for a while, uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Um, do me a favor, and our text alert went out a little bit late tonight. So if you can uh, share this with somebody, text somebody, let them know. Um, if you know somebody that is confused about the subject of Israel, the subject of the Jewish people, the subject of the land of Israel, Zionism, all these t terms and, and, uh, and concepts. Uh, this is hopefully a show that you're going to want them to watch. So just share that Rumble link. Uh, we'll put, get it on the screen here, rumble.com slash Sharamhadian, rumble.com slash Sharamhadian. Uh, send them to that link right now so that um, they can hopefully jump on with us. Again, I apologize that our text alert went out a little bit late tonight. Before I get into the program, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna have, it's gonna be very heavy tonight on the Word of God. And then um, we're gonna get into a lot of scripture tonight, a lot of what the Bible teaches. So I wanna pray. Uh, I don't do this in most shows, but I really wanna pray tonight so would you join me in prayer tonight as we seek the Lord for His wisdom and His anointing on His Word because there is so much confusion in the body of Christ, because there is so much, just I'm dismayed again by the level of angst and confusion and, and even, even anger, even anger towards anybody that supports Israel. Um, we need to pray because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, and I believe that. You believe that? I believe that. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, on every matter. So join me in prayer. Father, we just come before you tonight, and Lord, as we're going to be digging into your word tonight, I pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit will be upon this program, upon my mind and, and these words, that you will anoint this message tonight to really open the eyes and the hearts of your people that there would be clarity tonight, that there would be a flow tonight, that there would not be a spirit of confusion because we know that is not from you, but a spirit, spirit of clarity, of wisdom, of sound mind, of love. I pray tonight that you will be glorified through your word and that you will draw your people and equip your people to yourself and prepare them for all that is ahead. We just pray this now to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start with some headlines because I'm going to be talking about, thank you all for joining tonight, I'm going to be talking about biblical Zionism. So our, our topic tonight, uh, or our title tonight of the show, if you're jumping on late, is Defending Biblical Zionism. Why should we even talk about this? Why should we be defending the term Zionism, because it's such a negative term. It's like the term patriot, right? If you say, I'm a patriot, you're now a domestic terrorist. Well, the moment you say, I'm a, I believe in Zionism, 
in Zion, and we'll talk about that tonight. Woo, the claws come out. Oh my goodness. Oh, how can you be a Zionist? You're a Zionist. I had a pastor friend of mine today just post on this, that I'm not a Zionist. And some book that he read on the history of Zionism. Well, I'm going to go tonight and look at the biblical history of Zionism. The biblical history of Zion. Because that's where we should be looking. Not to the theories that I covered earlier this week. You know, all the, the global Zionists are the ones who are behind Israel becoming a nation. It's all a global ploy. And believe me, I know that there are globalist Jews. I'm not naive. I know there, there are globalist Jews that are evil. There are many Jews in America and in Israel that are ultra-liberal, ultra-leftist, completely godless, and yet they claim to be Jews. I'm not here to defend uh, Judaism. I'm not here to defend liberal Jews. I'm not here to defend the government of Israel, as I've been very critical throughout the entire last two weeks of the government of Israel, just as I am so critical of the corruptness of our government here. So... You know that I follow the truth. That's what I do. Wherever the truth lies, I follow it. And so I'm not here to defend global Zionism or those that are globalist Jews or globalist anybody. I'm here to defend tonight biblical Zionism. There is such a thing as biblical Zionism. There is such a thing as biblical support of the Jewish people. There is such a thing as a biblical uh, support of the right of the Jewish people to be in that land that is being fought over. There is such a thing as understanding that the spirit, I covered this on my show on Tuesday, that the spirit that is behind Arabs and Muslims and Islam is a spirit of Antichrist. And that spirit of Antichrist hates that which God loves. God loves the church. God loves Christians. Those are Christ followers. God loves the Jewish people that are chosen by based on his calling. We got to stand on the word of God. I, I was on a program today with my friend Melissa Hooray, Hope Report, and I said something that, I, that, that you know, sometimes you, things come out of your mouth, you're like, well, that wasn't me, that was the Holy Spirit. And I said, it is amazing how there are Christians today, many Christians who are Reformed theology, who do not support dispensationalism, do not believe that Israel, uh, that there's a separate dispensation or calling for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people that is separate from the church. They would say, we defend America being born. We believe that God had a hand in birthing America, that though there are Christians to this day that claim that uh, America was born out of rebellion because the early settlers and the Christians and the pastors should have not rebelled against the King of England, should have not rebelled against the crown. They should have just obeyed and done whatever they were told to do. And therefore, America was born out of rebellion. Well, many in the Reformed theology camp, many in the camp that are covenant theology, which we'll talk about these terms tonight, many in these camps, they'll say, no, we believe that America was born with the aid of God, that God had divine intervention, that God had divine providence, 
because we understand, right, as Christians, do we not, that nations do not rise or fall without the permission of God, that God is sovereign over nations. So how can you say that God had a hand in raising up America and at the same time turn around and say, oh, when Israel became a nation in 1948, and of course my time frame, in my opinion, is 67, because of Zion, we'll talk about that, that was a Zionist ploy. It was the globalist because they brought it. So you're saying that God had no sovereign allowance? That God didn't sovereignly allow it to happen? Even something that the enemy schemes for evil, God can use for his good. God can use for his purposes. You can't have it both ways. God is sovereign. I titled tonight, let's go to our title, please. I titled tonight, um, Defending Biblical Zionism. Defending Biblical Zionism. Why would someone who is from Iran, a Persian Christian, support Jewish people, the promised land, and, and call himself a Zionist? Especially, as I said, with everything that's being talked about with Zionism. The reason is, is because, um, again, I want to support the Word of God. I want to be able to make sure that we are following Scripture. And I want to first start with the covenant. We're going to talk about a couple of the covenants tonight before we get into some verses about Zion. So the covenants, go ahead and please bring this up. Um, this is general review, and it should be general review, that the Bible covers seven major covenants, all the way back to the covenant that was with Adam. We call it the Adamic covenant. There's the Adamic covenant, then there is the covenant with Noah, then the covenant with Abraham, then the covenant with Moses, then the covenant with David. Um, then we have uh, in between there one that's called a land covenant. Some people call it a Palestine covenant. I don't like that term, but it's really a land covenant. It's really part two of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, and then, of course, we have the new covenant. And then some people will say, well, there is then the everlasting covenant that will come after Christ returns. Because remember, in the new covenant, we are right now engaged to Christ, right? The, the marriage supper of the Lamb has not happened yet. So we're engaged to Christ. And um, we need to make sure that we understand that there will be an everlasting covenant that will then be dealing with uh, after the millennial reign of Christ. But in the meantime, we have the new covenant. So six in the Old Testament, one obviously the New Testament or new covenant, seven major covenants. Of these covenants, there are some that are conditional and some that are unconditional. This is very important to understand. Very important to understand. Um, of the ones that I mentioned, the only one that is conditional, meaning that it was between God and his people, but there were conditions set. The only one is called the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that God made with Moses at Sinai. This covenant, the law, the ceremonial laws, the, uh, the uh, uh, laws for the nation of Israel, the moral laws, those, that covenant has 300, 300 blessings, 
approximately, and 300 curses. That constitutes the law. And that covenant was the only one that was conditional, meaning you do this, you're blessed, you do this, you're going to be cursed. The other covenants throughout Scripture were unconditional. This is very, very important to understand. This is where so much of the confusion is coming in because there are so many pastors and Christians out there saying, oh, no, no, there is no land covenant for Israel. There is no reason to support Israel and their right to the land because that was all fulfilled. It was all done away with. Or, or you hear, no, the Jews rebelled. They, they rebelled in um, uh, the uh, time uh, when they went into captivity. They rebelled, obviously, during the time of Jesus because they called for his crucifixion. Uh, they uh, rebelled and, and Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 70. And of course, they will say today, the Jews are in Israel, but they're rebelling again because uh, only a few thousand Jews worldwide are born again, meaning they're messianic. They believe in the, Jesus as Messiah. But we must understand that the covenant that God made, if it's unconditional, it has no condition of obedience. It's a one way. It's called unilateral rather than bilateral. There's no condition. The covenant that God made with uh, Adam uh, after the, 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 the dominion, uh, some would say, well, there was a condition given on that. Okay, that may be valid because, of course, he said you can have, you, you know, you, you, you have access and dominion over all the earth, over the land. However, do not eat of the tree uh, of the knowledge of good and evil. If you do, that then broke the covenant. Okay, so that may be conditional, partially conditional, but it still was a one-way covenant in the sense of giving dominion. It, it didn't, the dominion didn't require them to obey. The dominion was just given to them. What broke the covenant was that one condition. Um, the covenant with Noah, it was simply, I am about to destroy the world. The covenant of Noah was that I will then bring uh, the, the flood the sign of the covenant is, of course, the rainbow, which belongs to God, not to the LGBTQ mafia and the pride. Uh, that was unconditional unilateral. And so now I want to turn to Genesis chapter 12, because when God calls Abram in, in chapter 12, in, no, there's no verse there. Just, just keep it on this, please. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house and to the land that I will show you. I will make you... So number one, I will make you a great nation. So there's a national promise in the covenant. I will bless you and make your name great. So you're going to be um, a nation. You're, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you and you shall be a blessing. That's a seed blessing. That's what we call the seed blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then later it goes on in 12 and 13 in, in chapter 13, there is then give, given a land covenant. So there's three parts of the Abrahamic covenant that's very important to understand. There is a national covenant. It, you, Abraham, will be the father of a nation. And that was fulfilled when uh, King Saul and then ultimately King David formed Israel as a nation. Then you will be blessed through your offspring. There will be a blessing that will be given to all the nations of the earth through your offspring. And we call that the seed blessing. And ultimately, we know that that seed blessing went from Abraham 
to Isaac to Jacob, it was not in any way, shape, or form based on biology or genealogy. We know this from chapter 15. Because in chapter 15, Abraham was saying to the Lord, I'm childless. I don't have an heir. And the verse 4 of chapter 15, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. So this is the promise that was given that from your own body shall come an heir and that seed will be a blessing to all the nations. But wait a second, Ishmael was born first. Why isn't he the blessing? Because, why? Because he was not the promised son. This was not a, uh, a, a covenant with Abraham based on genealogy or bloodline. The fact that he obviously didn't wait, that they, he, he went and he slept with Hagar and bore Ishmael. This was a covenantal promise. It was about the, the unconditional unilateral promise of God to Abraham through his son Isaac, who was born of the promise, not of the flesh, born of the promise, and which then through that line came the Messiah. And the Messiah has been the blessing to all the nations of the earth, to all the generations, and has given us eternal life, has given us salvation, has given us hope and eternal uh, and, and our uh, relationship with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But there is a third part of this that is a land covenant. Both in Genesis 13 and in Genesis 15, if you read, there are parameters given. And then also, we're going to look at this in Deuteronomy chapter 30. There are uh, land covenants given to Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 30, um, actually, let me cover this first, and then I'll get to Deuteronomy chapter 30, because I want to make sure that I go in order. First, Genesis 15, okay, if you're tracking with me, Genesis 15. Later on in verse uh, 17, and so, no, I'm sorry, verse 18. And on that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. So remember, he's already assigned the covenant in chapter 12, right? You're going to be blessed. You're going to be a nation. Uh, the, the nations of the earth, the people will be blessed through you. But now there is another covenant. There's a separate covenant. And that's why I said to you, it's like Abrahamic covenant part one, Abrahamic covenant part two. And some call it this the Palestinian covenant, which is ridiculous, that's a term that was given after the fact. There's no, nothing in the Bible that says Palestinian covenant. Nothing in the Bible that says Palestine. The word Palestine is not in the Bible. The word Palestine is not in the Quran. Nowhere will you find the word Palestine. Period. So, I don't like that terminology. It is simply a secondary land covenant. On that same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham saying this, To your descendants I have given this land. And here's the boundaries. You ready? From the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. The, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. Now I'm going to show you a map. And this map shows you that boundary. Okay, let's bring this map up, please. 
Look at this boundary. So there on the eastern side, you see Iran, you see Kuwait, you see the river Euphrates that goes all the way to near Baghdad, okay? So the, 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 the boundary says from the river Euphrates all the way now head east. Go to Cairo. You see on the map Cairo. That's the river of Egypt. Then other boundaries, it gives you boundaries in Deuteronomy 30. In Deuteronomy 30, come back to me just for one second, please, Elias. In Deuteronomy 30, it gives other boundaries. Um, number one, in Deuteronomy 30, it says that uh, God will gather Israel after they've been scattered and he'll bring them back. Verse, that's three, verse three to five. Verse six, he's gonna regenerate their hearts. Verse seven, God will judge their, their enemies. And verse eight to nine, Israel would once again obey Yahweh. This was not fulfilled after the 70 year captivity, as some would say. And the same promise is repeated in Jeremiah chapter 32, Jeremiah 32, 36 to 44, and Ezekiel 36, 22 to 38. So this is repeated. Now, let's go back to the map, please. The boundaries to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west. Okay. So I just read to you out of uh, Genesis 15 that God's made a covenant with Abraham. This is unilateral. This is unconditional. Everybody who's saying this is conditional. Israel broke the conditions of the covenant. That was mosaic. That was mosaic. That was about the nation. And God judged them, right? Go ahead and come back to me for a second, please. God judged them, folks. They were a nation, right? They were a nation. We had Moses. We had Joshua. After that, we have King Saul, King David. They become a mighty nation, the, the most powerful nation on the planet. The two kingdoms come together, north and south. They become one kingdom. But they disobeyed God, and they became idol worshipers, and they violated the, 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 the sacrificial system. And all those things that they did, Israel went apostate and went away, and, the, and, and God judged the northern kingdom and preserved the southern kingdom for a while. And then the southern kingdom eventually went apostate. And in uh, 586, Jerusalem was sacked by the Babylonians, and the final um, inhabitants were taken captive into Babylon. That began, uh, or that was part of the 70-year captivity, which then they came out of. But folks, that parameter, that uh, national promise, that's what was revoked. That's what they lost. But the promise that they would once again become a nation, and I'm going to read you one other verse in just a minute here, but I want you to understand that, let's go to the map, please. Again, this land has never been fulfilled. The, the, the nation of Israel, by the way, do you see on that map there? Look at modern-day Israel. Look at the tiny sliver that is modern-day Israel, surrounded by Egypt, surrounded by Jordan, surrounded by Syria, surrounded by Lebanon. And of course, you have Gaza uh, on the southwestern side of Israel. You have the West Bank. You have all these Muslim nations surrounding them. And yet this land that God has promised includes, uh, let me, I'm going to give you the list, the upper right portion of Egypt, all of modern-day Israel, all of Lebanon, all of Syria, all a piece of Turkey, half of Iraq, the northern half of Jordan, 
and the northern part of Saudi Arabia, Kuwait. When have the Jews ever, 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 go ahead and come back to me, please, occupied this land? There was a partial fulfillment when Joshua went into the promised land in Joshua 24, but that was only partial. They have never occupied this land, meaning that this is yet an unfulfilled, unconditional, unilateral promise. That's why Israel had to come back into the land. That's why any Bible-believing Christian should understand the timing of God bringing Israel back into the land. And once they come back into the land, let's turn to Amos chapter 9. Amos chapter 9. Once they come back into the land, there will be no leaving the land. Here's what the end of chapter 9 Amos says. Because Israel is going to be destroyed, but there's a promise of restoration. And in verse 13 of Amos 9, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman will overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, the sower of seed. The mountains will drip with wine, with sweet wine, with which all the hills will flow. This is future, folks. This doesn't happen. I will restore my people Israel from captivity. Now you go, Sharam, isn't that the 70-year captivity? Could be, but watch. They will rebuild and inhabit the ruined cities. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will firmly plant them in their own land, never again to be uprooted for the land that I have given them. Never again to be uprooted. Well, if this was after the 70-year captivity, they didn't occupy the land. They were under Persian rule. Then they were under other rule. They never occupied the land between Persian rule, then the Greeks, then the Romans. Then they were under Roman captivity during the time of Jesus. And then ultimately, Jerusalem was uh, destroyed in AD 70 by the Romans. They were scattered, right? But there was a remnant of Jews that have lived in that land that then was derogatorily called Palestine on maps. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere even in the Quran does it mention Palestine. In the Quran, it mentions that that Allah, their, the God of Islam, gave the land, the Holy Land, to Moses. Now, people, people use that to say, ah, oh, well, you see, even the Quran says the land belongs to the Jews. Well, no, because in the Quran, it claims that Moses was a Muslim. So the Holy Land was given to the descendants of Moses, which we know are Jews, but they're also claiming that they were Muslims. So that's not a good argument, but the bottom line is, Palestinians and Palestine is a figment of imagination. It doesn't exist. Never has there been a nation or a people. So that's why Christians shouldn't support the right of a Palestinian state. Christians shouldn't support the idea that there is a Palestinian people because it never existed. They are Arabs. And they have no right to that land. Now, maybe they can coexist, but they don't want to coexist because I just showed you what is happening around the world. Islam is showing its true face. Islam is showing its true colors. Islam is showing the Antichrist spirit that it is. 
They're calling for a day of jihad again. They're saying this is zero hour. Go back and watch the show we did last week. If you can bring that up, please, Elias. Uh, there's no audio for it, though. Make sure you have audio. The, 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 no, down at the bottom. The, the day of jihad, the day of rage. To the left. This is what they're doing. And so, um, what I don't understand, please go back and watch the show. If you haven't watched this from, from last week, they are calling for all Muslims all over the world to rise up. Go ahead and come back to me, please. And, 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 and fight the Jews and fight Israel and fight Korea. Where's that spirit coming from? It comes from a spirit of Antichrist. And you have Christians who believe in some of the things that I'm going to show you now. By the way, Ezekiel 36 that I mentioned. Ezekiel 36. If you look at verse 22. God says to them that he will, uh, for I will take you, verse 24, from among the nations and gather you out of all the, all the countries and I will bring you back into your own land and I will also sprinkle clean, clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all the impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give your heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and to carefully observe my ordinances. Then you will live in the land that I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. Um, I mean, it just goes on and on. Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and I have replanted what was desolate and I, the Lord, have spoken. This is not fulfilled because this leads into chapter 37. So that was Ezekiel 36. This leads into chapter 37, which is the prophecy of the dry bones. Well, the whole prophecy of the dry bones is the imagery. It's an imagery for God bringing the dry bones in the valley to life. That the dry bones is Israel. That's what that prophecy is about. And this was not fulfilled after they came back from captivity because they didn't become a nation again. They weren't a nation. The only time they became a nation is now, after two and a half thousand years. So why am I a biblical Zionist? Why should we defend, again, if you joined us late, the the the... the uh, Topic of our show tonight, why should I defend biblical Zionism? Because the land that they are in, God, go ahead and come back to me, please. God brought them. God brought them. The dry bones. Now, the second half of the dry bones is God puts breath into them. That doesn't happen yet because they don't believe. The majority of Jews don't believe. So God will once again at the end of the seven-year tribulation that in Daniel chapter 9, what does Daniel 9 say? Let me, let me read that really quick for you. What does the prophet Daniel say about the, uh, the, 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 the um, final seven years? Okay, what is it about that those who say it was fulfilled in A.D. 70? 
Here it is in verse 20. Now while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. So what is it about? It's about Israel. And presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. That is Jerusalem. Which by the way is called Zion and we'll get to that just in a minute. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, Gabriel, the angel whom I have seen in the vision, came. And he informed me. Here's what he said. Verse 24. 70 weeks. 70 weeks are determined for your people, that's the Jewish people, and your holy city. Where is that? Jerusalem. To finish transgression, hasn't happened yet. To put an end of sin, hasn't happened yet. To make reconciliation for iniquity, hasn't happened yet. To bring in everlasting righteousness, hasn't happened yet. That wasn't fulfilled in AD 70 because the world didn't put an end to those things. To seal up vision and prophecy, hasn't happened yet. And to anoint the most holy one. That means that when he comes back as king of kings and lord of lords. Hasn't happened yet, folks. So it then goes on to say, right? That there will be 62 and 9 uh, and, and 7 leading to 69 weeks. And there will be 1. Verse 27. Then he shall confirm that covenant with many for one. Put it, but in the middle of the week. He shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering. And those who are preterists, partial preterists, will say, oh, that happened in AD 70. Uh, Nero is Antichrist. Uh, then you ask them, when was the mark of the beast? There's no good answer. Where was the seven-year period specifically? No good answer. How can Nero be Antichrist? No answer. Partial preterism is where they believe things have been fulfilled previously. Partial preterists will say, they believe in the coming of the, of, of, the, of the Lord the second time. They believe in a literal second coming. A full-blown preterist believes that Jesus already came and that we're in, we're, we're, we're in post-millennial era. This is not pre-millennial. It's post-millennial. Jesus came and we missed it? What? What happened? They don't believe, believe that there's going to be a literal second coming. It already happened. So it doesn't fit, folks. They gave a date of the book of Revelation to have to, in order to make it fit in their worldview, they give a date of AD 65 or so, AD 66, which is most scholars do not support an early date. Most scholars support on numerous evidences, a latter date sometime in AD 95, 96, 94, 95, 96, which is much more consistent with uh, uh, um, Bible history, history of the early church. But the point is, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, and at the end of that tribulation, then God will bring those Jews that are remaining to faith. And those that are covenant theology, uh, so let, let, let me just cover this really quick first. First of all, let me go back to this, because I want to cover this before we run out of time tonight. Why am I saying that we should defend Zionism? Well, first of all, here's why, okay? Number one, let's go to the first uh, scripture there from Psalm 87.3. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. More than all the dwellings of Jacob, glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. So what is this talking about? This is talking about Jerusalem in the Psalms. Zion is the city of God. Zion occurs over uh, uh, 150 times in the Bible. So let me be very clear. In most translations of the Bible, Jerusalem is mentioned over 800 times. 
Jerusalem is not mentioned once in this demonic book called the Quran. Of those 800 times, 150 times, it is the term Zion. It means raised up or a fortified mountain. That's what the term means. Raised up or a fortified mountain. It was the city of David and it will be the city of Yeshua. It will be the city of the Messiah, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords when he returns because let's not forget, where is he returning? to Jerusalem, Zion. Uh, David, David captured Zion from the Jebusites. It is the possession of Israel and the seed of power. Let's go to this next verse. Go ahead and please bring this up. After Solomon built the temple, Zion also included the temple area. And there are verses there, Psalm 2.6, 48.2, and 11-12, and then Psalm 132.13. So it included the temple area. In the Old Testament, Zion is used to refer to Jerusalem, the land of Judah, and even the nation of Israel, and spiritually to the people of God. So it can refer to the people of God as well. So, number one, I am a Zionist because the people of God in the New Testament are the spiritual kingdom of God, right? And here is Hebrews chapter 12. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. So you, we have come into the, we have been grafted into Zion. We have been grafted into Israel. We have been grafted into uh, the tree, which, is, which are the Jews. We are the branches and we are Zion, spiritually speaking. But there is still a literal Zion that is Jerusalem. So why should I call myself a Zionist? Because that is the term for God's holy city. Jerusalem doesn't belong to the United Nations. Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Muslims, certainly. Jerusalem doesn't belong to the Christians. And Jerusalem doesn't even belong to the Jews. It is God's holy, divine city. And the fact that Israel is back into the land is in fulfillment, partial fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. That was what? Unilateral. So Adamic, Noanic, uh, Abrahamic, the land covenant, part two, the Davidic covenant, and the new covenant, all are unilateral and unconditional the Mosaic Covenant was the only one that is bilateral and conditional. That's it. So all these people out there, pastors saying the Abrahamic Covenant was fulfilled, it was, it was conditional, and the Jews broke the covenant, are in scriptural error. They are absolutely wrong. Let's go to the next verse, uh, please, Elias, about Zion. Therefore, go ahead and please bring this up. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Who, who is the chief cornerstone, folks? Keep that up just for a second, please. Who is the chief cornerstone? That's Christ. And so we are part of the chief cornerstone. We are part of Zion, and therefore I'm a proud Zionist. 
To be a Zionist doesn't mean that I blanket support the government of Israel, which I don't. It means that I support what the Bible says about Israel. I support what the Bible says about the Jewish people. I support the fact that there's a separate dispensation, a separate calling, a separate plan, a separate seven-year period that God has to deal with Jerusalem and has to deal with His holy city. That's what we're talking about. That's why we defend, one more time, bring the image up please for tonight. We defend, I defend biblical Zionism because it is all throughout scripture and I saved the best scripture for last. Let's bring up that last scripture here. I love this, look at this. This is in Zechariah chapter eight, one through three. Watch this, woo! Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. With great fervor, I am zealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. And Jerusalem should be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Is God done with Israel? No. Is God done with Jerusalem? No. Is God done with the chosen people? No. God's not done with these things. Don't listen to those who are giving equivalency. Oh, well, we shouldn't take sides between the Palestinians and the Jews and fight about land. No, you're not taking, you are taking sides because you're actually going against the word of God. Clearly, covenant theology is in error, I believe. And here's what covenant theology is very quickly. It means that the church so, first of all, replacement theology is absolutely unbiblical and dangerous. And unfortunately, 60% of the American churches hold the view of replacement theology. That's why we are so confused, folks. That's why. But replacement theology says wherever the Bible says Israel, particularly the New Testament, the church has replaced it. It doesn't matter. There's no Israel. Covenant theology says wherever the Bible says Israel, the church is expanding on that. The church is taking over those promises because now it has fulfilled. Jesus fulfilled. There's nothing left to fulfill. So therefore, it is an expansion of that. Both are wrong. Dual To be dispensational, meaning that there's a separate and complete and different distinct plan for Israel than there is for the church of Jesus Christ. Israel is not the church. The church is not Israel. The two are not the same. There's different plans. The Jews, that, that does not mean that the Jews are saved. It does not mean as the straw man argument for people who are dispensational like myself, oh, you're dual covenant theology, dual covenant theology or dual blood theology. No, nobody here in this ministry or anybody that I know that is truly dispensational says there is a separate salvation plan today for the Jews than there are for the rest of the world. No, since the Messiah has come, there is but one way. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one, Jew and Gentile alike. There is no other way of salvation. There is no other blood covenant. There's but one blood covenant, that's the new covenant. And it is for all people, Gentile and Jew alike. That does not mean that the blood covenant is the same as the land covenant or the same as the nation covenant. The nation covenant, the land covenant, those were unfulfilled. The fact that Israel was back into this land 
is a miracle. The fact that Israel has blossomed again is a miracle. It did not happen just by the hand of the global Jewish Zionist. It happened by the hand of God. God allowed it. God, God allowed the circumstances. God then, in 1967, gave them victory in the Six-Day War. Uh, they, they recaptured Jerusalem for the first time in two and a half thousand years. But as um, the book of Zechariah says, Jerusalem, the nations get drunk on Jerusalem. The, the, the Jerusalem is a heavy, burdensome stone. They try to lift it, and it's heavy, and, and it leads to turmoil. Because, as I already said, it's not resolved, folks. Jerusalem has not been resolved. Uh, uh, the, 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 the battle over Israel is not resolved. And please understand that the Muslims are not attacking Jerusalem or Israel because they want the land, even though they say from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free, which is an extermination clause. Anybody in America that you hear that is citing that verse should be kicked out of this country. Hamas is a terrorist organization on the State Department list of 57 terrorist organizations. Any person that says that we support the slogan of Hamas and the charter of Hamas and will not denounce Hamas should be kicked out of this country or prosecuted for a charge of terrorism. But yet our corrupt FBI and DOJ come after us, you and I. We're the violent extremists. We're the domestic terrorists. Everything's been flipped upside down. And so the fight for these Muslims isn't just about the land. The fight is because of the hatred of the demonic hatred that is within Islam because it's a satanic antichrist spirit and Satan hates God and Satan hates God's people, both Israel and the church. And Christians ought to be praying for the peace of Jerusalem, Psalm 122. Christians should be understanding there's no moral equivalency between the right of the Jewish people. And again, I am not defending every action carte blanche. Israel was one of the worst countries on the planet during COVID. In fact, maybe, well, they're up their top five in their lockdowns and their controls and everything. Israel is one of the most secular countries on the planet, one of the most pro-LGBT countries on the planet, one of the most pro-abort countries on the planet. I am not defending the Israeli government. I am defending as a biblical Zionist, the nation becoming a nation in fulfillment of prophecy, the Jewish people occupying that land in fulfillment of prophecy, them not being uprooted ever again in fulfillment of prophecy in Amos chapter nine, um, Zion being God's holy city in fulfillment of prophecy. Those are the reasons why we must be biblical Zionists. So I, I wanna encourage you, don't shy away from the word Zionist. Don't let the, the, those who are reading books and not reading their Bible scare you away from the term Zionist. There is a biblical Zionism that is absolutely scriptural because Zion is where Jesus is coming back. I just read to you, right? I just read to you from Zechariah chapter eight. How beautiful, how beautiful. So, folks, this is not an issue of salvation. I want to be very clear. If, if, if someone is a preterist, if someone is a, is a covenant theology, it's not an issue of salvation in my mind. But I do believe it's a plumb line in discernment. I do believe that Israel and the understanding of this is a plumb line of discernment in these last days. Because you're choosing whether you're awake and, 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 
and, and discerning or not. And so we are so messed up as a nation. We are so messed up as a church. There's such confusion. We don't even understand the biblical covenants. And the people who people call themselves covenant theology don't even understand the, the biblical covenants. And we don't understand prophecy because only 2% of the church even reads the Bible for prophecy and talks about prophecy. I want to read to you one other passage in Romans before we go tonight. Um, here it is. Romans chapter 11. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you will not be conceited. A hardening in part has come to Israel until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will remove godlessness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel, they are enemies on your account. But regarding election, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. For God's gifts and his call are irrevoc irre irrevocable. He will not take it away. It is unconditional. Just as you who formerly disobeyed God have now received mercy through their disobedience, so they too have now disobeyed in order that they too may now receive mercy through the mercy shown to you. For God has consigned everyone to disobedience so that he may have mercy on everyone. This is the future, folks. This has not been fulfilled. Why? Because they, the Jewish people, have not come to yet accept the Messiah. They have not yet been saved. And when it says all Israel, it's not talking about national Israel. I never said the nation will be saved. The nation will not be uprooted. Once it becomes a country, it won't be uprooted. No matter how much and how many att enemies attack it, it will not be uprooted and it will be deceived by the covenant with the Antichrist. But when it says all Israel will be saved, this is Romans 11, folks, 26. It's talking about the Jews that are left. The Jews that are left at the end of the tribulation, they will be saved because their deliverer will come from where? Zion. Why am I a Zionist? Because Jesus is Zion. The church believers are Zion. The kingdom is Zion. And Z Jerusalem is Zion. And that's where Jesus will rule and reign as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Zion. So you're, are you embarrassed for the term Zion? Are you embarrassed to be called a Zionist? but a biblical Zionist, not a global Zionist, a biblical Zionist. I hope I've made that clear tonight. I hope that I, I forgive us for all the audio issues and whatever, and I know that it was a little scattered, but I hope the second half of this message is clear. This is why we must defend. One more time, please, Elias. We must defend biblical Zionism because the word of God is clear. And this buffoon in the White House who goes and, and, and outs the, 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 the names of the, uh, no, I, I don't have time to bring it up, but 
um, he goes and outs the names of, of the uh, uh, special ops people, doxes them online. That's treason. That should be treason. That's that, that, dereliction. He's supposed to be the commander of chief, this buffoon that's supposed to be running our country. What a shame. What a shame how far America has fallen. Look at who he has in, in, in government. Look at the people. Look at our capital. You think the FBI is going to go after the people that stormed the Capitol? No, 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 because that's the left. They're going to be protected. You think the FBI is going to go after these pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian people in America? Nope. Because that's the days that we're in. So, folks, stand on the Word of God. As I said at the beginning tonight, our prayer is that we would seek the truth. I am a seeker of the truth. I have no agenda. I have no baggage. I didn't grow up in some denomination. I came to Christ 24 years ago and I just want to know the truth. Um, our ministry is non-denominational. Our church, by the way, uh, uh, go to our link, uh, tillministry.com slash church. Uh, our brand new church we're meeting in our house right now in November, by the way, November 26th is going to be our official launch of our public services Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Eastern time. We'll be live streaming, Lord willing. So we'll have more information on that. I want to encourage you to go to our events calendar, tillministry.com, tillministry.com. Check out our events calendar. We have uh, upcoming events in Western Washington and in North Idaho coming up in November. Please check those out. And if you want to support our ministry, tillministry.com slash donate. Please support us with a one-time donation. If we stand on the Word of God, the Bible, the Holy Spirit will lead us in the truth. Dispensationalism is not confusing. It is not confusing one bit. We understand the separateness of the Word of God. And the separateness and the distinctness of Israel. Israel is prophetically a timetable. And we are in the last days. And we know in the last days there's going to be much deception and much, much confusion. And guess what? It, there is in the church and in the world. And sadly, many pastors and Christians have used this opportunity, a massacre of attack, a, a massacre in, in Israel, 1,400 more or more dead, women, children, murdered, beheaded, burned, tortured, gruesome, evil, demonic, the equivalent of more than uh, 50,000 Americans, if we look at our population. And yet, and yet, um, we have people trying to give moral equivalency. Shameful. We have Christians using this opportunity to try to attack doctrine. Embarrassing, in my opinion. Embarrassing. Again, it's not a salvation issue in my mind. Let it, not, let it not divide us as Christians. But I pray tonight that I've given you every moral reason to understand why it is absolutely justifiable to be a biblical Zionist and support Zionism from a, the standpoint of the Word of God. I can't wait until the King of Kings returns upon Zion, Mount Zion, set foot and every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess 
and every eye will see that Jesus Christ is Lord, our Jewish Messiah. How can we say that this is all fulfilled and done away with? How can we say that we have fulfilled these things? The church, unbelievable. Anyway, folks, I pray you can share this. Uh, this is Pastor Sharam Hayden. I pray you have a blessed weekend. By the way, October 27th, we'll be having our prophecy update here in East Tennessee. It'll be live streamed on our website, not on Rumble, but on our website, tillministry.com slash live. Uh, that'll be seven o'clock Eastern time. It will be all about Israel. It's gonna be all about Israel, folks, and all about Bible prophecy and what's happening. You don't wanna miss that, October 27th. Um, but we'll see you next Tuesday, Lord willing, live right here in studio for Truth Today at noon Eastern time. Pastor Sharam Hadian, thanks for your patience tonight with us. Sorry again about the technical problems. We'll see you back here next week. Have a blessed weekend.